We have the best listeners on the planet. Thank you for being one of them. This is Manny Perez from Blue Spruce Holdings to remind you that, one, as always, if you like this content, please stop by iTunes and show us some love. And two, if you are struggling with finding deals that make sense in this market, Blue Spruce has solid opportunities for accredited investors. Find out more by following the link in today's show notes. Enjoy the podcast. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams. And today I'm going to share with you my third and my fourth deal that I ever did. Basically, just to get there, I need to give you a little bit of background. So I'm going to talk about me bartending in Jacksonville and me being a project manager working 70 hours a week. And then that brings us into the very first deal and then the second deal. And the, unfortunately, it took forever between the first and the second deal. I had quit my job and I'm going to tell you the stresses that I went with that. But before I get started, I just want to share a five-star review that we recently got in. So this comes from Bradford and it says, quality, actionable content. Not trying to sell anything. Really appreciate the approach here and the vast array of guests. If you have a myopic view of real estate, this is a must listen. Well, Bradford, thank you for listening. And just in case you didn't know, go ahead and please send us a little screenshot of this juice to my email at adam at realbluespruce.com and I'll make sure to get you immediately your free hat, your free shirt, your free mug, or a copy of my book that's coming out. So, all right, thanks again. And now we're getting right into this. So here I am. I'm, I'm originally from Utah, and I, I went over a lot of that in a previous episode. If you want to check it out, you can. So in this other episode, I kind of talked about how I repositioned a large apartment building just before I got into my own multifamily. Then I bought my own multifamily, and I happened to move to Jacksonville, Florida, from Utah to Florida, okay? So and as I did this, I... Well, I owned a threeplex and I was still managing it from afar. And while I was managing it, I was into a, a new area and I decided to try and uh, get back into bartending. I love bartending. It's fun. So I apply to this restaurant called Restaurant Orsay. And Restaurant Orsay is a French restaurant. It's in Jacksonville, Florida. Guys, look it up. And it's actually fantastic. So I started as a server and I became, I became one of the bartenders soon after. And then I kind of moved up into the bar and became head bartender. Then I became the bar manager. And eventually, right before I left, I was the restaurant manager. And I, I really loved it. I uh, specifically love Orsay. If you're in, the, in that area, you got to try them out. It is actually the best restaurant that I've ever tasted. It's delicious. They win all sorts of awards. Uh, literally, I think they're like five or six years in a row being the number one best restaurant within 800 square miles. So give those guys props. And definitely, if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, go and check them out. It's a hot market to invest in. So you want to make it anyway, go ahead and write off your business trip, but visit or say at the same time, great, great food. All right. So as we kind of went on, I found this opportunity to move to Denver, Colorado, where I had wanted to live for a long, long time. So 2011, I got to Jacksonville, and then 2015, April of 15, is when I actually moved to Denver. And um, 
when I got started in Denver, like I said, I became a project manager for a large commercial construction company. And I was actually, check this out, guys. I was promised by the owner of the company. This is nuts. I mean, crazy. And this is where you really feel taken advantage of, right? When you get into these jobs. And I don't think the owner did this on purpose. It just, it just happened to happen. And so I get there and she says, you're going to need to work anywhere from 20 to 45 hours a week. I said, okay, cool. 20 to 45 hours a week. I'm happy with that. You know, I, I already worked that here at Restaurant Orsay. So let me go there. And we were re-roofing large multi-multi-million dollar projects. And for every project that we did, she made uh, quite a bit of money. And, you know, I was making just my salary. So, you know, fun and all, and it was a decent salary and I was enjoying it. But what ended up happening is I was working actually around 72 hours a week. I mean, it was nuts. It was about 12 hours a day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., um, six days a week, okay? Seven to seven, six days a week. And I enjoyed it. I, I loved it. I felt good about myself. I felt good about my job. And then something hit me and it, and it just like kind of crushed me, all right? So it was the beginning of March and I had a friend fly in from Florida and he wanted me to teach him how to snowboard. It was on a Friday. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I could definitely help. And so I went to my boss and I was putting in 72 hour work weeks when she told me I only need to do 20 to 45. And I had this feeling that she was going to be just like so uh, caring and so appreciative and say, absolutely, you go do it. And she kind of gave me this like cold shoulder, right? So I asked her and she was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like I don't want to do that. So the point is that I ended up taking it off. She ended up saying, yeah, go ahead. And she found she had to hire a project manager for that one day um, to kind of just take my place. And that, that was fine. And then I, then Saturday rolls around and I put in another 12 hours. So that week I only worked about 60 hours. Okay. How crazy is that? I only worked about 60 hours for my 20 to 45 hour work week salary. She didn't pay me double. She didn't pay me extra for working extra. Right? So here I was, I took, one day off, it was a Friday, but I still put in 60 hours. So obviously, I expect that I'm getting a full paycheck. And what ends up happening is I get my check and she had docked me for an entire day. She gave me four fifths of my salary for that week. And I asked, what the heck is going on? Uh, you know, I worked, you know, 70, 60 hours a week. I worked uh, five days that week. And she's like, no, I, you didn't work on Friday. I needed you Friday. I had to get somebody to cover. I need to be able to pay him. So I take it out of your salary. And the crazy thing is these construction projects are so large that it takes about four months or so to do one job. And she nets uh, over a million dollars per each of these projects. Okay. So her net, complete net is $4 million. And here I am making whatever, uh, 40 something a year and working my A off. And I liked it until I had that. And it gave me a bad taste in my mouth. Consequently, at the exact same time, I was starting to do my first, I was getting back into tax deed investing and I was doing my first deal. So here I was at the, toward the end of March, I purchased a tax deed for $17,000 and I flew out to rehab the project. It took only about a day and then I put a sign out. All I did is painted it and had a carpet guy come, okay? 
I put a sign out uh, to ask for 30K and sold it for 29 something. Uh, basically doubled our money in a day. And I was excited. I said, yes, this real estate thing is easy. And I did something that I'm going to tell you not to do. I did something that I'm going to ask you not to do. I quit my job. You know, I was unhappy at my job and I felt as though tax deed investing was legit and that I was going to be able to double our money every single month. And if you look at what it takes to double your money once a month, you'll see that you're into the multi-millions by the end of the year. So that's what I did. I was a little naive and I decided to quit my job and I was so relieved. I had a lot more time to myself. So there was good and bad. What is the worst part about that, guys, is the next tax deed I did, I just told you this is at the very end of March. The next tax deed I purchased wasn't until about July 14th of the same year, okay? So I didn't buy another tax deed. I didn't even buy one, let alone double my money, right? So um, just so you know, I guess I skipped over this or glazed over it a little bit, but on that first tax deed, I used none of my own money, none of my own credit because I did what's called a synergistic partnership. I partnered with somebody who wanted to get into tax deeds but didn't want to do the work. They had the money. They thought that I was, you know, um, a great young whippersnapper. And so we decided to do it together. So obviously we made decisions together. You, you know, it would have been illegal if we didn't make decisions together. So we were 50-50 on decisions and one person contributed more of the capital and the other one contributed more of the heavy labor, okay? So that's how it worked for us. And we bought that first one, doubled our money, got excited, said, I can quit my job now. And we went in and uh, kept trying. And this was only, we were only doing the auction in Broward County. It's an online auction. I was doing it for my underwear in my bedroom. Uh, I had like a home office sitting there right by the bed. And I purchased that first one, quit my job. And I looked and looked and looked. And I started doing more than just Broward. I started doing online auctions at multiple different counties. So we were in um, St. Lucie County. We were in Palm Beach County. We were looking at Dade, we were looking at Lee County, we were looking at Duval County, and we were looking at a few other counties as well. But, you know, the amount of effort and work that goes into analyzing these deals before they go to the auction is absurd. It's a crazy, crazy amount. So you can't really hire a title company for every single one of these deals. You can't really just hire a title company. So you become the title company. You have to find a way to track down and look at the last time that that property ever had a general warranty deed. And then you kind of track it down backwards to, and forwards to see, or excuse me, just forwards. You don't need to go backwards from the general warranty deed. You just go forwards from everything that has happened since then to see any type of liens, encumbrances. We're talking random stuff like child support liens. We're talking things like IRS liens, we're talking city code enforcement, city violations. A lot of the times these are vacant and the grass grows a little bit fast and the cities are very, very good at applying a code violation to long grass and they have uh, exponential compounding interest that goes right on top of that. And it's basically like every day that you haven't mowed, it's 75 or 150 or $300 every day that you don't mow, depending on the county, right? So it can really add up. And these are things you need to be very conscious of. 
you need to be aware of, you need to pay attention to, you need to look and see if the city has put any of these violations. You need to see and follow that person, the human that used to own it. You need to follow them completely and do your research on them to find out if they would have some type of IRS lien on them or a child support lien, because some of these things do not leave. You also need to check out the HOA and there are sometimes lags in the system where it hasn't yet been filed. So you have a lot of due diligence, it's not easy. Yes, we doubled our money pretty easy the first time. But what ended ha up happening after March of 2016, real estate was starting to get extremely hot in the counties of South Florida where we were. And people started paying more and more for these properties. They call something, I call it at least, stupid money. Okay, stupid money, um, and forgive me, is a lot of people just eager to be involved in the business. They don't know all the you know, incredible, serious problems that can happen when you purchase a property like this. So they throw money at it, expecting that the property's in perfect condition. We don't know if there's cement in the toilets. We don't know if there's mold. We don't know what's happening with the flooring. You know, you, this might be a complete rehab job. So you have to use your best judgment to make assumptions on how much you may have to do before you buy a sight unseen property. So in our experience, we were usually paying around 30 to 40% of the ARV when we couldn't see the inside. But what was happening is people were just so eager to get a deal. And there's something called auction fever. Okay, when you're in sitting in the auction, people want to bid so bad and they think that because you're at an auction, you're getting a deal. They, I mean, there's, there's this disconnect completely that, that because here's the price. Well, if I'm at auction, I'm getting a deal and you're only overbidding people by a hundred bucks. And so it gets, it gets super, super nuts. Whereas it became uh, around July, August, September, people started to pay in Broward County, Florida and some other counties down in South Florida. They started to pay about 112% of the price that you could get it on the MLS, it was ridiculous and it pushed me out of tax deed investing for the moment. There may be a time that I get back into tax deed investing. I have a lot of knowledge. I spent 40 grand to learn more about tax deed investing, to do it right, to make sure that I was doing it efficiently and safely. And you know, there's, every county is different. So to get kind of out of that, that out of the whole story about what tax deed investing is, to get out of that story and get more into just kind of like these uh, last two deals, that the third and fourth deal that I did. The one that I bought in July was actually in Port St. Lucie, St. Lucie County, which is just a, a little bit north of Broward County, maybe about 30, 40 minutes. And in this was actually, well, okay, it wasn't in Port St. Lucie, it was in Fort Myers. And I purchased this property with my partner and my business partner and I purchase this property and we really got it for the price of less than the dirt and there was some code enforcement violations with the windows that we couldn't find that I couldn't find I missed them so um, that wasn't a humongous deal because I was actually able to negotiate those down with the city some city violations you can negotiate down okay we're not saying all of these violations you can but the, these windows, they just said, all right, you're the new owner. You bought it on tax deed sale. We, you, we know that you are wanting to improve the neighborhood. You know you, that you're not the one who, who 
had the broken windows, you bought it like that. So they allowed me to pay a very, 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 very small fine compared to the um, the thousands and thousands and thousands that there was because it was like 300 a day for a couple of years. And we basically just had to put a, put boards on the windows and pay a tiny, tiny, tiny fee and it was done. So that is what happened in this very specific case. It doesn't mean it's going to always happen to everybody's case, but that's what we did. And, uh, you know, learned a good lesson to try harder to look at not just the county records, but you also have to look at the city records when you're buying tax deeds. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts, right? So Anyway, on that property, we bought it for 14K, which was less than the price of dirt. It was great because we actually sold it for uh, 25K almost immediately. And so that one, we almost doubled our money and it, it came out to be a solid win-win and really, really enjoyed it. But we started, because it was so hard to find these deals, we started to do fix and flips, finding the deals on the MLS instead of their tax deeds. So at some point in the future, I'll tell you more about some of these fix and flips, how I did them with no money, how I did them with no credit. And then the following year, we bought a fiveplex, fourplex, threeplex, about a dozen houses, all again with no money, no credit. We'll get into those on another episode. But until next time, my friends, think outside the box. Thanks for listening. I hope you got value from this episode. Remember to stop by iTunes and share your feedback. Also, for accredited investors who are looking into multifamily, Blue Spruce has opportunities to work together where you can get cash flow, appreciation, and depreciation in year one. Assuming you're interested, you will find a link in the show notes.